welcome to episode four of the Daily Tide podcast. I just want to start with a quick land acknowledgement. We are recording on the unceded and traditional territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. Uh, today in the not studio, we have Amanda Gove. Hello and welcome. Could you just quickly give us um, a bit of like an introduction on uh, your professional title and what you're doing right now? Yeah, um, so like she said, my name's Amanda Gove and I just finished a contract actually with Cape Breton Fish Harvesters Association where I was a project coordinator for the Ghost Gear project. So I worked the last six months doing uh, research on ghost gear and with the lobster industry in Cape Breton. Um, and I've just finished the contract because I'm going back to school in January. So that's yeah. really good. That's really exciting. What, what school are you looking into going to? Uh, I'm going to the Marine Institute to do my master's of marine science. Wow, that's really impressive. Are, do you have anything specifically in mind kind of in the future after this, this degree? Hopefully working with DFO, but it's hard to get contracts with them. So I just wanted right. to further my education to have a better chance. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so I believe the first school you went to was St. Mary's. Is that correct? Yep, that's correct. Yeah. Why did you choose that school? I chose a school because it's the only school in the Atlantic provinces that has forensic science. And I really wanted to do a forensic science background. Right. And also wanted to get away for a university and SMU is about five hours away from my hometown. So not too far, but it was a good distance. Far enough. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. And how was that experience? Is, is St. Mary's, would you say, a great school for, for marine sciences in general or, or just for forensics? Was that the main reason, of course? Yeah, so it's... St. Mary's is really good for forensic science. We don't have a marine science program. It's just general biology, but it's the only school of forensic science. So you do a certificate in forensics and you can pick a basis. So I picked biology as my background, but you could do chemistry, physics, anything that you wanted, but it's mostly general and not specialized unless you do your honors thesis. Right, 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 right. And what was the process of getting into St. Mary's? Was it was it uh, was it hard for you? Did you do any specialized programs other than than getting another certificate or anything? Yeah. Uh, so your first year, you just do general sciences at St. Mary's, and then you apply to do the forensic science program. So you can't get into the program until your second year. Mm -hmm. So it really depends on your marks the first year, and you just have to do the general biology or chemistry background. Mm -hmm. but Besides that, you write an essay about why you want to get in because it is pretty competitive. Um, I've only had eight people in my class, so it's very small. So it's very intimate, which is what they wanted. So you have a good relationship with your professors and other classmates. Right, right. I actually, I'm, I'm obviously, I'm very interested in marine sciences, marine biology. It's what I'm going to school for. Um, but I'm also very interested in forensic sciences, which is why I'm very excited to, to talk with you today. I recently did a huge project that's like worth like half my grade on blood identification and acid-based chemistry and, and all of that. So um, yeah, why did, what pulled you towards this? Because it's, it's honestly quite a niche thing, especially when uh, your larger interests are more like biology, marine sciences. Why did you choose forensics? Um, I chose it re really because there's a wildlife forensics class and I've heard about that and I'm a really big animal lover. Plus I love doing science in laboratories. So one of the classes at SMU actually are wildlife forensics. And even though it was super interesting and sad to learn about because every week we had to pick a specific species and talk about how they got trafficked and the country of origin and how to grow as a community to try to stop these trafficking. So it was really 
interesting to just learn about and you don't really know about all the traffic species that there were in the world and just what's happening to them and why it occurs and how we can get better right right yeah that does sound very interesting many people forget that like um focusing on animal forensics is is a possibility <laughs> i guess you merely assume like death and murder of a person yes, yes <laughs> right. I, and all those shows <laughs> yeah 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 exactly exactly um so yeah so after saint mary's did you have a, a path kind of right away there's i know myself included there I have a few friends who who are pretty like driven but a lot of people go into university and kind of figure it out from there which which kind of side did you did you go on for that uh so I went into university not knowing what to do and then I just took the general biology courses and then there was a fisheries course and then conservation courses so my courses really steered me towards the marine life and then I found a summer job with the Cape Breton Fish Harvestries, which I've worked with for four years now. And it's just about all ocean ecosystems and just my path of school and employment kind of led me into the direction I am. So right. Lucky. Yeah. yeah, no, that is that is a very like smooth, yeah. <laughs> nice little entrance. Right. Yeah. So tell me about the Cape Breton program. Um, how did you get introduced to that? Uh, what's what's something that you remember working on specifically? Yeah, so the job is you work on fishing vessels at 5.30 a.m., find the sustainability of the stock, and also record data on bycatch species. So I got to see a bunch of cool little fish that weren't supposed to be in traps that we got to release back into the water. And then seeing from 2018 when I first started all the impacts of the fishing gear that has to the ocean from storms, snagged beneath the surface and just conflict with other vessels, all the gear that was actually just lost into the ocean. And right. everyone, oh, DFL is gonna get to it or somebody's gonna get to it because fish harvesters don't have the equipment to haul 10 gears that are snarled together onto their boat or their boat will break themselves. So it was always somebody else's problem or somebody else will get to it. And right. this year, we were lucky enough to get funding from DFO to make it our problem and get ghost gear out of the ocean this year, which is my favorite project that I think I did so far. We were able to actually clean the ocean and make real impacts and not just depending on other people to go out and find it, but doing it ourselves. Right. Yeah. That, I feel like that could be very rewarding after learning about conservation for so many years. Um, yeah, so after reading a bit uh, about you, um, you have an incredibly long list of, of elements that you've cleaned up, like lobster traps and extra ropes or anything. This is a bit of like more of an odd question. What was something you remember finding, whether that be just like a silly thing or something just very almost like, I guess, on a sad note, detrimental to that environment that you'll probably remember for a very long time? Um, there's what we call snarls. So it's buoys and ropes wrapped around together and they're tangled completely together with traps at the bottom. So there was about 25 traps just tangled together that would have just stayed by the cliff in the ocean. And I remember on one trip, uh, we got 116 lobster out of the 25 traps that would have just stayed there and died due to ghost fishing because they can't get out. So even though 
smaller species on a scale, like just being able to release them back into the ocean and allowing them to have a longer lifespan and then cleaning out all that gear was really rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can imagine that's, that's incredible. I'm, I haven't been lucky enough to, um, to, uh, sorry, go on many boat. I've, I've, been on a few and I've done a few um cleanups but I I know <laughs> that when I do it'll be incredibly rewarding to just like pull something out and feel like you've done a good job um so yeah I guess expanding on on specifically that area so you you when, when it came to classes you kind of did a few different things why did you choose specifically kind of conservation and and uh and go scare I guess as your area of of study and then more professional as well I'm just growing up around water like I live in Cape Breton the whole island is surrounded by water same as Vancouver on the coast just seeing the water every day and being at the beach or just boat rides you get curious of what's underneath right and by taking more classes at St. Mary with conservation classes and learning that the impacts that humans have especially with this next generation like humans are going to be the next reason why species are passing away with all our climate change that we're doing to the industry. So I just wanted to try to make an impact and with working with Cape Breton Fish Harvestries already being on the water, it was easy to implement a project like that. Mm -hmm. And as well as um, I did a program with the Canadian Conservation Corps, which is almost the same as Youth to See, well, went away, did, um, projects with working with other communities then I had to implement my own project so I kind of took more time and energy of a personal level along with an employment level to do this ghost gear project right yeah right um did you know uh like immediately when you started working um with like ghost gear that like this was like a calling of some sort are you uh, you know you're quite young you're going back to school do you think that'll probably change or are you thinking about focusing your your career and much in the future as well focusing on still this conservation ghost gear pulling stuff out of the ocean <laughs> I would love to stay with ghost gear I think we've just really started with seeing the impact ghost gear has and just really started implementing these projects so I think for years and years to come we'll still be doing it so I hope to get to do more projects like that in the future just being able to see year by year how much you can collect and how you can get better at doing it because we definitely ran into some um, conflict where we'll just where we said okay next year we'll just try to build on this mm -hmm. but definitely I think we're just starting in this area so we're definitely going to have to keep going in that direction to make a real change. Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of going back to, to St. Mary's, what do you think was the most difficult part of your undergrad? Um, you know, a lot of people might say, you know, like classes and stuff, but um, did you have something very specific that you kind of released to the world that to just look out for? <laughs> um, I think the most difficult for me was my last year. I did my honors thesis. So I wrote a thesis. in my marine side as well just the hard work of researching doing your own research doing your own um, protocols and your own projects and trying to, to prove why things will work and then being questioned on them it was really difficult in the moment but I'm really glad I did it and rewarding when I was able to defend my thesis but I think everybody just going into university you have this one class that's hard and you have to just focus on it more and more and then when you're done of the course, you just feel like you've done your best and 
reward it by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I recently, uh, I've, I mean, of course we've all been applying or all, all everyone working on this, uh, show is all in grade 12. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so, you know, we've all been applying and talking about it and I say this in many episodes now, main reason why we're speaking with, with all of you professionals on the show (laughs) is, uh, yes, to kind of get like a head start and and see, um, how to apply your university learning and how to get there in general. So, um, do you think there's anything that's really, really important to do in university? That's not just like really school-based, but almost community-based or professionally based things to look out for. Um, I definitely say join societies. Um, like I was a part of a few societies at my school and you'll learn once you go to university that it is like very hard work, but you also get, you should be able to have fun too. Mm -hmm. So this is not on like a Marine level, but I did have a tap for humanity where you build home for people in poverty. And although you're, it's still hard work, like building these homes and being part of a society you also make friends with people of other interests because you'll have friends in your classes that are interested in the marine biology side, but also outside of school. Because sometimes you're gonna realize, okay, I need a break from my classes. I don't wanna think about them anymore. I wanna think about something else more on the fun side. Right. And society, it shows you that your teamwork and you're interested in doing all these other things outside of school. And I definitely, think that they also help build your resume up for your future employment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, uh, yeah, I've had a few people, you know, say, join different programs, look for volunteering, but societies kind of have this, yeah, a more of a community base. You have like a really obvious issue you're working on (laughs) Um, and that can that can help a lot yeah that's a that's a very good point Um, I've been looking around of course myself I'm you know Oceanwise has been really big help (laughs) of course these need to see Um, but I'll I'll probably be moving actually across the country uh, for to go to school so I have to start looking Mm-hmm. far on the other ocean <laughs> I guess yeah. to see if there's anything over there um yeah do you think that your work right now um it do you think it's a bit more niche would you say or do you think it, it could be growing um in the future do you think more people need to know about it yeah I'm um, starting with ghost gear for example when I've been talking to my friends and family or even just community members they're like well what is ghost gear and I always had to give them the definition of what it is and how it impacts the ocean and like what you can do for it. So I think like people know like, oh, there's garbage in the ocean, but they don't know how much or like what you can do personally to help out. Like even just beach cleanups are a huge help because there's Mm -hmm. so much plastic that ends up on the beach and just having a clean atmosphere and then allowing species not to get caught in these plastic or garbage is a big help but yeah I think definitely the knowledge needs to be spread more and I think slowly as more people do go skier cleanups or beach cleanups that more people are becoming aware and they're like oh I want to help do that yeah yeah that's a good point um we we always add a lot of um websites and and references um in the in the description of these podcasts for anyone that kind of wants to know more uh so we'll definitely add you know the shoreline cleanup i've i've know i've been a, a loyal partner to them for many years i've done them with friends and family um and it's just like it's it's one of the rare things that are both fun and rewarding <laughs> you just spend a day at the beach and then you feel good about yourself it's great it's a nice yeah. combo <laughs> mm-hmm. right 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 um 
what do you find fulfilling about your work most? Of course, you know, a lot of it's just that knowing that you're honestly making an actual difference, but is there, is there a community aspect? Is there a teaching everyone else aspect to that as well? Yeah. So what I found is, um, so just back to the lobster fishing, fish harvesters, they are definitely very inclined and helping now. They're like, okay, with climate change on the rise, we need to do something because it's not only the ocean that surrounds them, it's also their livelihood. So I found Mm -hmm. networking with a bunch of different fish harvesters and them giving their input of what would help because ultimately like doing ghost gear cleanups, we wouldn't be able to do it without fish harvesters telling us, okay, this is where I know some people lost gear. This is like a hard area that storms always catch or currents would take the gear here or whatnot without the help of them um then I don't think we'd be able to do it and that just like it's nice seeing that not only scientists want to do this but also community members and people that are working they want to make it better for not only everybody to enjoy for the species but also for their livelihood so there's a bunch of different aspects to it which is great yeah yeah that must yeah that must be very very nice um in Cape Breton, do you think there's a there's a big community around the ocean? Of course, do you think there that everyone kind of has that that fighting in them to to kind of save it a bit more? Just just uh, being so close to that area. Yeah, I definitely think so, and especially down here, we're smaller communities, so at least one person you know, if they're not a fisherman, you're friends with a fisherman. Like there's my grandfather was a fisherman, and just. The small communities, the smaller jobs. So a lot of people do work out at sea. So you at least know one person that's on the water. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that must be really, really nice. <laughs> that yeah, that feeling that you've always been around it. I can relate to that as well, being in Vancouver. <laughs> um, so of course, climate change is is you know a very prevalent issue, and it's affected everyone's careers at this point. Um, but especially you know marine biologists and people who work in marine sciences. How would you say climate change has affected uh, you and your and your careers in the past the most? Would you say specifically have you seen it firsthand, or is it more just on a grander scale? I'm doing some of the work with the lobster industry. You notice that well the ocean temperatures are rising and just working alongside lobster all the time you can definitely see how that's affecting them because uh, lobster are supposed to molt down here midsummer, and mm-hmm. now they're molting early summer which then affects their shell which affects their meat and that affects buyers trying to buy these lobster mm-hmm. so this and then just the pollution from ghost gear and other garbage that end up into our ocean you definitely are starting to see like higher and higher temperatures coming yeah it's it's very worrying and it's scary when you see it so firsthand it's not like a microscopic issue anymore (laughs) and that's always quite worrying uh would you say there are any resources that i and our listeners can can go to when it comes to um rising temperatures anything we can kind of educate ourselves on or anything like that Looking at Google Scholar and just papers that um, scientists are writing are honestly what I do to keep myself up to date as well. It's just a quick Google search away and then you can just see all these different scientists that are writing these papers that have the firsthand knowledge and are out at sea doing all the research. So Mm -hmm. I definitely just try to look at more journal articles for sure. Yeah, right, right. That makes a lot of sense. I would say that, yeah, one of the worst 
you know, parts of, of when it comes to climate change is the misinformation and it's that science education that's so prevalent right now. <laughs> um, definitely. Um, so you spoke about being in, in a society. Were there any other programs that, that you were a part of or that are you're hoping to be a part of and, and what are they? I'm just doing my master's now, just especially with COVID, everything's kind of online right now. So <laughs> hopefully for myself, I try to get more involved with different programs. But um, I worked with the Canadian Wildlife Federation that young people, they're trying to get young Canadians to work with just the same as youth to see and you can do this nine month program as well and you go away for a month and it's supposed to teach you and get gather you with young Canadians all across Canada to come together and just with your interest of conservation and you do a wilderness activity that we did so I did a two-week canoeing trip in Zec Kippewa in Quebec just learning about their ecosystems then I went to PEI and I was able to work, well, volunteer for three months with um, the PEI Wildlife Federation, Syria, Syrian area branch there, and then just coming home and trying to find out different employments that have to do with marine biology and getting involved with MARS, which is the Marine and Rescue uh, Society for Whales. You can apply online for them as well. And you just do a course based on sharks and whales and all their different characteristics and what you can do if you see them in the on shore and what you can do to help them who to call so just trying to get involved with little volunteer based activities like that mm -hmm. yeah and I can imagine being on being so close to the ocean you have a lot more of those opportunities and chances mm -hmm. to to kind of get into it yeah that's really nice um so quickly back to forensics just to touch on it a bit more because I'm so interested myself <laughs> um so you say you were looking at specifically um, animal forensics. How is that different than, than human forensics? What are the main differences that you're looking at? So you're looking at the different genetics. So for example, um, I took a forensics DNA course and we had labs per class. So um, in the forensics course, we actually like took a tube and took our own DNA by just using our saliva and using different machines like PCR, and um, diluting the samples and we were able to see our genetics kind of tracing it back to like 23andMe and those ancestry sites mm -hmm. so just the sample you use the genetics are different and um, for my wildlife forensics one of our um, projects for the main year we had to keep a journal and write down all our steps but we had to go and take different samples from meat products so I went to sushi and I got um, a white tuna and I took it back to the lab. We had to sample it through our lab for four weeks, I believe. And then we had to find out if the products that people are selling are actually what they're selling. So my white tuna tuna ended up being like Escalar. So it's a different, oh. yeah. So it was a different genetic testing and everything goes back to your genomes and like what is in that particular sample. So it was really cool to find out, okay, this white tuna that this place was selling isn't really white tuna. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like a brand that people are rebranding. And some companies actually do that all the time. And with shark finning, um, some sharks you're allowed to keep certain species, but not other species. And that's what scientists do. They go over 
to the different countries. They'll take the different fins and they'll take their genetic sampling and they'll say, okay, this one relates back to the one that they're allowed, but this one, they're not allowed to have this species. So that's how they know it's trafficked. That's really interesting. I had no idea that was a part of like a forensic testing system. <laughs> that's really cool. Um, yeah. Um, would you say that, that when it comes to forensic testing, do you want to incorporate that more um, in your, in your career and in your future in general? Yes, I would love to. One of the things that you can definitely do with that is like being a fisheries officer. So not only are you like a police on the water, you're also involved with forensic, um, forensics, uh, different identifications, because if you're stopping somebody that has these different types of fish and they're saying it's one, but it's actually the other, you can actually take a sample from them send it to the lab, they can run it, and then they can say, oh, yes, this is it, or nope, they lied about it. Right, yeah, yeah, that's true. I guess you can incorporate that a lot. That's good to know for me, for someone who wants to try to incorporate that too. That's really interesting. Um, yeah, I guess uh, another kind of odd question that's a bit more bit more niche, uh, once again, about forensics is, is, do you think that it's a necessary um, it's necessary to apply it more right now, especially with, you know, climate change and, and, and trafficking. It's a, it's a serious issue that seems to be a little bit overshadowed by other very important and large issues right now. And do you think forensics could, and, and forensic sciences could really help those issues right now and, and, and solve a lot of them? Uh, yeah, I do. Just especially with my wildlife forensics class that we did, we took these different animals and said, okay, this is what's happening now. And you can say something is one thing and it's the other, but by doing all the scientific research, by taking the genetics that are particular to one species, you can find out the truth. Cause no matter like he say, she say, like not that science never lies, but doing the, the testing, you can find out the no bias. Yeah, um, right. We really need right now is the non-biased opinions. Just like, okay, this is this, now what can we do about it mm -hmm. just the straight facts yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a really really good point um yeah so would you say that when you were in school was there something that you did that you maybe wish you didn't do or did differently that you would like to share with the other students listening <laughs> yeah definitely research your programs I know like once you're out of high school you're 17 18 and you're like okay why do I have to pick this right away like there's definitely no rush in taking your time and trying to figure out what you're doing. So I finished my undergrad um, two years ago and I took two years off because I didn't want to be a nurse. I didn't want to do something that got right into the profession. Mm -hmm. So I took my time, I researched, and now I found this really good program at the Marine Institute that I'm excited to do. Mm -hmm. Just something that you don't, you don't have to rush into because luckily education is always there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I think people usually kind of say that in a different way of just saying like, you're not going to, you're not going to like it, but instead being just like, enjoy yeah. the time, <laughs> like that time. Yeah. That's a really, really good point. Yeah. Um, was there something that you did when you were first going into school that you think was, was really smart of you for doing aside from waiting a little bit longer and doing your research that you're really glad you did? Um, for my undergrad, I'm really glad I went away because it took me out of my comfort zone. Like you said, you might be moving across Canada. I only moved five hours away, but I didn't know anybody in my school. 
So it was, you're finding new friendships formed on a common interest. And now, even though I'm back in Cape Breton, my best friend lives in Truro, which is four hours away from me. And it's just nice to have friends in different places and based mm -hmm. on, not just because you grew up together, but based on the common interest and connection that you immediately had with them. I just think really getting out of your comfort zone, even though you might be shy to do it, it really helps you in the long run. You're like, I'm really glad I didn't just stay because it was easier. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. I think that's something that's really attractive to me for about Dalhousie, which is so far away, <laughs> but oh, yeah. that's, that's like a, a very a, attractive part of it too. Is just, you're going to connect with people that are so into the same things, but from such different areas in the world, which is, uh, I think is very valuable, <laughs> especially when it comes to networking and, and all of that as well. Um, would you say that at school you did a lot of networking uh, or did you stri stick strictly with like the the learning and then kind of going to societies and that was it? Or did you do a lot of talking around? Uh, luckily, when I started St. Mary's, there was this thing called the LEAP program. So it took students that weren't from the area and put them together. And every Friday we had like a lab and you had, you connected with the people, the same 20 people every Friday. And they were kind of in your program like we would have all the same labs together just to introduce us to the school because it was new and nobody really knows anybody. Mm -hmm. So just having like common people in classes, like that really helps your first year. And then you're like, okay, I feel more comfortable. I can branch out to do things I'm interested in. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. I, I never heard of that. And I hope that other schools have that too. That seems really smart. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I I honestly think Dalhousie might have it. Um, St. Mary's is only about five minutes away from Dalhousie. Yeah. Dalhousie. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. They're, very, they're so close. They must share some things. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> right, right, right. Um, would you say there's any labs that come to mind that you did or any bigger programs that you did um, during your years, especially, you know, where you were in honors, you must have had a bit more uh, leeway with that stuff. You get some, some extra resources. Uh, was there anything that was really important to you during that time that you did? Yeah, I um, really loved my wildlife forensics class in my lab, like I said, because you were able to take these different particles and be like, do the whole testing yourself. Like, mm -hmm. The professor was there and he would help you, but you had your sample, he would show the class what to do, and then you did it. So it was like, even though you're in school, you felt like a professional scientist that you were doing all these things and getting results, which is great. And then um, with my honors, I'm really glad I did it because I was able to do my own project and I got to do my project at my own time and implement it, figure it out with my supervisor and then just do it. And then again, write a thesis on it. So just that experience, even though it was hard my last year, I'm really glad I did it because now with looking into master programs, a lot of places are like, okay, well, we would like to see that you could write a thesis. And now I'm glad that I was like, okay, I could write a thesis. It was hard, but it was definitely worth it in the end. And just another thing under your belt that would help you for future aspects. Yeah. Could you expand on, on writing a thesis a bit? I, I'm, I'm, I'm not even sure how you would do that. <laughs> yeah. So um, in your third year, you apply for it for your fourth year. And so you're, you get your honors thesis class. So it's just 
you get your credits for it, but it's not a class that you have to go to. It's just meant to be like every week you spend your three hours trying to research. And then you also have your honors um, like laboratory. So every Friday we would meet up in our biology honors and we would go over about how to write an introduction, how to write materials and methods and results and implementing it. So what I did, I did my thesis on the operational sex ratio affects female Japanese Nadaka. So in, at St. Mary's and I think Dal as well, they have an aquarium room. So these Japanese Nadakas were in tanks and I had to just basically observe them. I had a whiteboard and I would mark down like what they did every so often. And then I would take that data and then make codes for it. So they gave me different graphs to see what worked, what they did the most, what they didn't. And then you would just see what they did and research has other scientists found out they did this or was it the opposite? And then you would say, okay, why do I think mine did this? Why do I think my project didn't do that? And it was really also gave you that connection with your classmates, so my bio honors we had 20 people and when it came time to defending our thesis we would just take it upon ourselves and make a group chat and say okay who wants to read my thesis can anybody like peer edit mine and then I'll peer edit yours or who wants to present and then just practice together so you're also forming your own community with your thesis and writing right yeah that sounds really nice I I, I don't really know i haven't i haven't tried entering any specialized programs yet i hope possibly in the future um but kind of jumping off of that uh could you expand on the honors program and tell us a little bit about how that works yeah so luckily i didn't know i wanted to do it until i got to my third year and i was thinking okay what am i going to do after school and then looking into master's programs a lot of them actually said um, requirement is an honors thesis just to show that you can write and mm -hmm. to show that you can defend and you have that confidence and ability to take a subject and be basically a master at that subject. So you just you don't have to find out until your third year because you apply for it in your your last year of university so you don't have to specialize right away or anything and you just go around and to your department and you'll have supervisors and you talk to these different supervisors and sometimes they're like, okay, do you have any project in mind that you want to do? Or they have their own specialized lab. And then they say, these are the projects that I have Do any of them interest you. So you get to really sometimes make your own project, but get to pick what one interests you the most and kind of expand on that, even though it's really the professor's idea. But then if it's your professor's idea, they're really uh, there to help you. They know what you're writing about. You have weekly meetings with your supervisor to see if you're on the right track and they give you different ideas of how to expand on it. That sounds incredibly useful <laughs> and like a very good skill to have. Um, yeah, and you, your professors are always there for you. And it's just another, when you go into your third and fourth and final years, your classes you'll see get smaller and smaller. So you not only have the small class size, like generally, but you also have this community of the honors department to where if it's not your supervisor, another supervisor will help you in any way they can. Like the professors are great. 
and it's just like a great little helper on the side as well. Yeah, that sounds that sounds lovely. Um, I definitely have been thinking about getting my master's very far in the future. Um, mm -hmm. And that's good to know that that's usually a requirement. I guess I, I had no idea that that was a thing. I, I have some family and friends who've, you know, had gone on to do even their, you know, PhDs, but I didn't know that honors was, was something to look out for. So that's really good to know. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess uh, before we kind of um, close today, is there anything that you would uh, like to tell everyone <laughs> listening and myself included, um, specifically about, you know, ghost gear, lobsters, anything that you uh, kind of want to get out in, in the world that you think everyone should should know about right now? Um, just keep researching, basically finding opportunities to volunteer or get involved with in any way, because even if you start out small, it can grow on a larger scale. Mm -hmm. And I just want to do a shout out to this girl in Ontario. She's a 15 year old girl, Natalie. She was taking all our rope ghost gear and she was repurposing it into photographs or mats and baskets. Um, she calls herself nautical waters and she's on instagram and she has a cute little etsy store and it's just a great way that she took all of our rope that we had that didn't have to just get taken from ocean garbage and put into land garbage she actually repurposed them and she made this beautiful artwork and she took all of the proceeds that she received and donates them back into these organizations so they can continue to do ghost gear and she's just like even though she's 15 she has a great initiative that she's already starting up for her future yeah that's incredible we'll we'll definitely add all those links so people can check her out that's <laughs> that's very impressive that they, they've been doing that um yeah and I guess that's like another thing to look out for if, if you have some time on your hands go do a cleanup think about starting a project um that that helps that helps you know eliminate ghost gear um or just marine sciences and climate change in general <laughs> um yeah. that's all that's all really really important that's that's really cool and uh, any other final closing words about, about schooling anything that you think everyone else should know um just like i said before don't rush into it because you think you have to just kind of find a program that interests you and don't feel the peer pressure from everybody else <laughs> yeah yeah very good point i think we can all relate to that right now especially being grade 12 yeah um <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a great uh, spot to end on. Thank you so, so, so much for speaking about uh, with me about, you know, forensics and marine sciences and ghost gear in general. I know as someone who does beach cleanups, this was very nice to talk about uh, in a more kind of elevated sense, <laughs> I guess. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. It was great. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we'll add all of those description and all those, uh, sorry, links in the description. Uh, so you guys can uh, check Amanda out. Uh, do you have an Instagram or anything that you also want us to add for you? Uh, sure. It's mandagove129 on Instagram. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much, everyone. And we will see you on the next one. Bye. <laughs>